When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the BPD Bunch Brunch, where we get together with our favorite brunchy beverages to catch up, play games, and talk about all things BPD. I'm your host, Sani, and today I'm here with Mo, Andre, Katya, and Jay. Where in the world is everyone coming from, and what is your brunchy beverage? I'm from Ohio in the U.S., and I am drinking salted caramel black tea. I am in Southampton in the U.K., and I'm drinking from my Mr. Perfect mug, a perfect cup of um, distilled water. I'm from Calgary in Canada, and I'm drinking iced tea. I am from the West Midlands in the U.K., and I have got a cup of juice. I am in New Mexico in the U.S., and I am drinking coffee. Today, we're going to answer questions from you, our audience, that we got on Instagram. Jay, have you faced any challenges or misconceptions in doing your research with BPD? And if so, how did you deal with it? I think... I think one thing that's challenging is that when you do lived experience work or you work on something that's so impactful or meaningful, like working on BPD, researching BPD, people automatically come from this starting point that you're only doing it because you identify with it and that immediately affects the quality and validity of your work because you're too emotionally invested in it. And that just like couldn't be further from the truth, right? I think a good researcher knows how to or, or learns or takes time to learn how to step back and acknowledge when they're privileging something just because they identify with it and when they need to open their mind to other perspectives. So how I've tried to deal with that is like being really proactive in classes that I've taken around like methods and ethics to try and figure out ways that I can hold myself accountable when I'm doing the work that I'm doing and make sure that I'm speaking to as many perspectives as possible and not just um, creating an echo chamber. I love that. I mean, that's one of the things I like the most about you is that you always try to consider more than just your own perspective. So, <laughs> Okay. Andre, one of our audience members, wants to know, did you ever experience burnout when you were a PT? And if so, how did you deal with it? Yes, I did is the immediate answer. And a funny correlation between that and BPD, that's how and what led to the circumstance that led to me getting my diagnosis. Because for a lot of my career, I worked extremely long hours. They were often 16-hour days. And I got to a point that I decided, you know, this is a plan where I'm going to take some time out and semi-retire. I didn't consider 
the lack of stimulus and the, the, the huge effect that would then have on me. So that is when my, my um, brain started to spin out wildly. I went into a very bad place. So I ended up with the, on a, a crisis team, which is really serious mental health and, and then transferred from there to another team. And that's how I actually got diagnosed with um, BPD because up until that point I didn't realize that a lot of what I was doing in my career was just to keep the demons at bay almost because if I was working I wasn't thinking and I wasn't looking after myself during that point so the short answer is yes I did experience burnout as a PT because I don't know if it's something to do with placing yourself in a very high holding yourself sorry to a very high standard so because of that I needed to get better and better and better and I, I neglected rest. So yeah, so take some time out for yourself is all I can say. And PT itself was a brilliant career for me. So it, it was nothing to do with the job itself. I think it was my own personal work ethic. That is all. Don't ask me questions that I get passionate about. I'll be going <laughs> So Mo on your card, you said that you like writing. How has writing played a role in your recovery process from BPD? And what has it, what impact has it had on your overall well-being and mental health? So writing has helped me the most because I now realize that I overreact, obviously, and I lash out at people when I'm angry or hurt with them. Um, so writing allows me to say everything that I want to say, but that it, it wouldn't necessarily be helpful to say to the other person. So I can say whatever I want and I can go through it and I can read it and I can decide which part of what I write I should tell the other person or talk about with the other person. Writing helps me get all of the emotions out, all of the raw emotions that I don't want to hold in anymore. And I would say the best part about writing is you can go back through it and see the progress that you've made. And it's a reminder that even though you might feel something really intensely, it does eventually go away. And so that, that's, that's something that I remind myself now when I'm going through something intense. This won't last forever. I've been through intense moments before and I've, I've survived it and now I'm, I'm doing well. So. Writing will probably always be a huge part of recovery for me for that reason. Katya, how do you manage teaching with having both borderline personality disorder and schizotypal personality disorder? What is that like for you? It is difficult. <laughs> so I have to say, um, borderline personality disorder, it actually isn't that much of an issue for me when I'm teaching. I actually find in some cases it can be more of an asset. Schizotypal is much more of a distraction during my working day. Obviously, if you have psychotic-like symptoms, it's not ideal when you're in a classroom with children because you're constantly having to wonder if what you're experiencing is real or not. But there are strategies that I have to be able to work out if things like hearing noises or having 
visual hallucinations are actually real in the classroom like for example if I think that I can see movement in the classroom or insects or things flying around like you know that if you have ever seen students with a wasp in the classroom and the chaos that that causes that if those kids are not reacting to that you are probably imagining whatever it is so you are able to have strategies that help you out throughout the day. But I do find that having really good reasonable adjustments helps as well. So I do have things that are put in place to help me be able to teach and they actually work really, really well. Um, So it can be things like having changes to my timetable so that I'm not teaching lessons back to back. I have a bit of a break in between delivering lessons and even things like changing the dress code slightly. So I still have to adhere to the dress code, but they're a bit more flexible with things like the fact that I dress slightly differently to everyone else. Like it's kind of just accepted um, that none of my outfits match. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also it's things as well, like the way that staff interact with me, because we've done quite a lot of training on personality disorders. They're much more aware of it. So actually it's not, as much of a distraction as I thought it would be. It was far worse when I worked in retail compared to teaching. So earlier you were talking, you mentioned how BPD is sometimes a bit of an asset. Could you give me an example of that? Yeah, definitely. So I work in a setting at the moment with extremely challenging young people, which is really rewarding and I really enjoy it. But you can kind of understand where those emotions are coming from a little bit more so I know that I definitely see myself in a lot of those children and I think having that insight can be really helpful when you're dealing with them the last question is for me Disney songs seem to be a source of joy for you can you share how these songs have played a role in your life and what significance they hold for you yeah because on my card I'm one of my likes is Disney songs I I like things that are happy. I think for the most part, I, and I, I love, I like to sing. So I think Disney music and other just fun, happy songs help me keep that attitude. Because if I spend too much time listening to sad music or something that's really intense, I mean, that can be cathartic in short bursts, but I find if I do that for too long, I end up sort of getting stuck in that emotional state or inducing a negative emotional state where there wasn't one before so yeah I guess I would just say yeah it just keeps me happy it's also good for what I'm working because then I can sing along to something that I already know and I'm not too distracted thank you so much for watching I hope you got a nugget of wisdom to take on your journey and we will see you next time bye bye (laughs)